the ABC rule, in other words, always be changing. Had a wonderful conversation with a guy called Jim Massey. And Jim is one of the leading global global practitioners on trust, sustainability, and ethics. And he's gone from front lines of business change and he's led and developed groundbreaking programs that have helped things around the world. Things like the Ambition Zero Carbon, one of the world's first net zero SBTI approved programs to launch in the world's first corporate trust report. Now, Jim is also the author of the forthcoming book, Trust in Action, and it's on the role of trust in tackling society's biggest challenges and how leaders can cultivate it. Now, he's got a, a unique perspective on certain things, and he and I talked about certain things like that in the conversation. Things, in fact, he shared some real gems. It was really, really quite cool. Things like the human behavior and about interacting with people. But then, you know, I asked him a couple of questions. One was, how do you help people through change? And a little bit later on is, what can people do to help themselves or others through change? And he said to me that change is the only thing I know. And isn't it interesting how we all face change all the time? but we don't always look at it like he may be looking at it. The other thing he talked about was how we inspire people to understand that they have the power to accept change. And for a lot of us, it's about change can be pushed down our throats or pushed onto us and so forth. But I thought he made a very good point and it's something to think about actually in the conversations. And at times he got emotional in the conversation as well. And so did I. It was, it was really quite interesting in how we've had that discussion and talking about things. But one thing he really talked about was action beats inaction. And if you're a kind of person that's sort of at times a little bit paralyzed or stuck or not sure about things, well, this is something a probably a really good interview for you to, to listen to. So the ABC rule, always be changing. And so I really appreciated Jim joining me on this episode and he shared a lot. So here we go. Sit back and enjoy the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here. And I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Jim Massey. And Jim, a massive welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate you having me join your, your podcast today. Awesome. Now, whereabouts are you in the world today? So for your listeners, I'm going to entertain them a bit. I'm outside Washington, D.C. I'm just about six miles north of the White House in a town called Chevy Chase, Maryland. Wow, that's awesome. And so you're pretty close to the White House. That's even better too. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's very fun. And, and people, I don't know in New Zealand if Chevy Chase, the actor, has gotten there. But you I, know, know, I promised. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And so I think we actually even had a restaurant here as well called Chevy Chase. But that's pretty cool. That's, yeah. you know. The, the town came first. I always like to clarify. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Okay, cool. Good to know. And so that's where you're on this part of the world. Now, I've given the listeners a little bit of an introduction to you. What we'd like to know, Jim, is a little bit more about you, about your background. What would you like to share? 
Dennis, I think for anyone listening to me, especially for the first time, I always like to describe myself as a five and dime behavioralist. And what I mean by that is I've learned about human behavior by interacting with people. You know, I, I'm not an academic. I don't sit in the, the ivory towers of, of large institutions. You know, I'm, I'm from humble beginnings. I have worked with people through politics, through consumer marketing, to finding myself working in governance and compliance, trying to change human behavior, not just about voting or buying more product, but doing it ethically. And then for the last seven years, I've been focused on sustainability where I'm trying to drive human behavior for good. And I always emphasize I do that both in permanence and impact. And I do that in my life's work. So whatever I'm doing, whether I'm working with my partner, Emily, raising our two boys, or I'm trying to convince someone to drive an electric vehicle, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm trying to get people to think about how they're going to change that behavior to help society and themselves live a better, fuller life. And do you, I mean, Jim, when you're just sharing this, quite fascinating because I think a lot of times that people struggle with change or or not sure about change and things like that. How do you, as part of that, helping them with their behaviors and so forth, how do you help them go through that journey of change? Mm. You know, Dennis, change is the only thing I know. And I think if we're ever honest with ourselves, it's all any of us know. And yeah. it's just increasing, right? I, I started my career as a sales rep. And I learned the ABCs of cells. Do you know what that is? Have you heard that before? I've heard it, but can you just explain it for the listeners? Always be closing, right? You know, and, and I think about when you talk about change, for me, what is the you know, importance of change in life or even in leadership? And it's always be changing. Yeah. And the idea that we can never be complacent, even when I reflect back on my life, right? I was good for that moment in time, but I had to change for the next one. And I think that is what I try to encourage people. Let's not fear it. Let's embrace it. Let's be ready for it. And when it comes, we need to trust ourselves that we can adapt and evolve to where we need. I, I love that. I really do. Because I think you know, change is constant. We know that it is and it's always happening. And the thing here for us is that we need to be always changing. And Jim, I think that as you're saying, you know, we go through change and embracing it is really important. But I think also that while we're going through that change, we're probably even preparing ourselves for the next change as well. But we probably don't actually understand that properly at first. Yep. Spot on. The other context I always try to talk about, right, is we're human. Yep. And as humans, we try to control the natural systems, right? We, we create what I call the built systems that I shorthand, Dennis, as BS, right? We, we create religion, we create work, we create societies that inherently don't benefit everyone equally. Mm. And so I, I'm thinking about where we are today as a society, we have to cut the BS by stepping into it and changing it so that it is helping everybody and it's not just a few. So I do believe we don't know what we're doing because we don't know where we're headed, but the certainty of that versus the clarity of we're moving forward, right, is the important aspect of what we need to be embracing as we're, we're heading to the change. And what I love, you said this, Dennis, sometimes we're changing without even knowing it, and it's preparing yeah. us for what comes. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that's, that's really cool because there's probably somebody listening to this episode right now, whether it's right when we go live and release it, or maybe further on down the track, and they're probably facing some change right now. And even if I think about large organizations in the IT sector going through some massive layoffs and things like that, people are being faced with change. 
Now, the thing here is when we're in the midst of it, it's quite scary for some people because it's that unknown, the ambiguity, where we're going. What can people do in your thoughts and opinions and your experience to help them ease that that tension or ease that nervousness or the and anxiety and so forth to help them through change? Any ideas? Yes. And, and Dennis, I'll get very personal with you. In December of 2019, I decided to leave a job that I loved and everyone said I was perfect for because I had come through and overhauled basic programs of environmental, social, and governance for the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca. And I didn't just make minor changes. I took programs that either were non-existent or legacy and transformed each of the ES&G into global industry leading. And I did it within three years. So it truly was neck-breaking speed. Everyone said, how did you do it? And I did it by inspiring other people to accept their powers of change. And then when I got to that point, I realized I had done all I could. We had the 10-year strategy. So what was I going to do? I accepted a buyout. And it was going to happen in May of 2020. We, had, we were going to wait to announce it. But in January of 2020, we started hearing about a small little virus in China that eventually shut the entire world down. So my beautiful plan of transitioning and leaving, I wanted to stay with because I knew I had to trust my gut. But I went through a very sad period of personal crises and identity because I went from top of the world transformation change agent to the world shutting down and me being locked in my home as an extrovert. And I had to personally start to change and, and start to identify. So when change was happening to me that I had asked for, it felt as though it was all out of control. And so what I would tell anybody is when I had to keep reinforcing myself, and fortunately, I had people who created the security net for me to, to mope around, cry, be upset, do all those things, but also grow up, Jim. This is what you wanted. Now create. And that's where my, I was born to build and create, not sustain and maintain. That's not who I am. So anyone going through change right now, what I always come back to is realize change is happening around you. But the amazing part of who you are and what you are hasn't changed. It's giving you whatever it takes to be prepared for what is next. So be ready, but don't hold yourself back. I think 95% of the issue with change is in our head, but we like to project it to the world around us out of our control. Instead of saying, I'm ready, I got this. This isn't my first time to manage change. We've been doing it from the first time we entered the world. So don't forget to trust yourself. That's my advice. Wow, that is awesome. And I think, Jim, you know, what you're sharing there about, I think you said, um, uh, help me with the words, inspired others, other people that they had the power of accepting change, I think is the words that you, you said. I love that, but also trusting yourself, right? I mean, when you, we were told to sort of put your big boy's pants on and sort of grow up and then, you know, do what you need to do, what was the thing that sort of triggered you or helped you go from sort of, you know, that being upset? you know, all that change and probably struggling with it, then to actually project yourself forward and move forward. What, what was the sort of thing that could have helped you sort of trigger you to move forward and, and, and or leap forward? My network, mm. knowing who I could talk to, who could show me the unconditional love to tell me to grow up. You know, it's that fine line, right, Dennis? Is yep. I didn't need someone telling me, oh, Jim, you're perfect. All is going to be fine. And I also didn't need anyone telling me, to not sit with the uneasiness, to not sit with the sadness I was experiencing. 
And so having people that you know have your interest at heart and also know when to kick you a bit, <laughs> to get you up, not kick you when you're down, but kick you to get up mm. is, is, is an important network piece that won't happen overnight, but we all have those people. It's important we don't forget who they are, especially in those moments. Yeah. So there you go, listeners. I think the, one of the important things that is amongst a lot of great things that Jim's already shared here is the importance of actually having a network around you. Building relationships is really important, but it's relationships that are going to be whereby there's going to be a group of people and maybe one person, but somebody who's going to have that honest discussion with you and maybe say some things sometimes that you need to hear and, and we all need to hear it. And so I, I think, Jim, that is so exciting about what you just shared there because there are people today that I know that are stuck. They are stuck in their ways or they're stuck with this issue or they just didn't like this change and they haven't moved forward yet. And I'm like, come on, we've got to move forward. The thing is, is there a time whereby we have to be ready to move forward or does it just happen anyhow? I'm going to ask you to ask that question again and make sure I heard it. Do we have to be ready to move forward or do we, or can we just be pushed into to, to moving forward? It's a great question, Dennis. I'm going to tell you my favorite quote is action beats inaction every time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to have to default to the statement that I believe sometimes you just have to keep moving. It's interesting. Here in the United States, we just recently celebrated Martin Luther King Day. And to drive home a point, a, a leading comedian who happens to be black was going out and asking white people to quote famous quotes of Martin Luther King. And everyone said, I have a dream, but no one could go beyond that. Mm. Ashamed, I started researching. And I'm like, if this individual was so influential, why don't I know more of his quotes? Now, in full transparency, I'm not a quote person. I don't remember movie lines. I don't remember any of those things. But I do understand that as someone who represents power, as a white Western male, I need to educate myself. And the reason I'm bringing this up, there's a quote he gave. And I apologize for the pause, but I'm choking up a bit because it comes back to this, Dennis. I take this work quite seriously. And the quote that stuck with me is, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. Always move forward. So when you ask me, can you be prepared? Some of the change we're facing today, Dennis, we can never be prepared for. But by golly, crawl. Keep moving forward. Action beats in action every time. And now I, I, I know one more quote that I have a dream. There you go. It's very good. And Jim, I, I'm, I'm really, really quite intrigued with all of this because for an extrovert that you talked about yourself before too, of course, you're creative, you're like that, you're ready to move on to the next thing, the ideas and things like that, which is wonderful. And then on the other side, there's that wanting to know things like the quotes and that, but what it actually means. And then when you find the right quotes for yourself, it does move you, right? It, it sort of moves you a lot. And I think that's really a good thing that happens to us as well. And I know the, the listeners today, all of us, Jim, in the world have gone through a lot over the last three years. We've, we've, people are tired. People have just had a lot happen. And we have had to move forward and do things. You know, you saw people when they were going home in lockdowns, they had to, there's that, it comes to that word, pivot, or they had to adapt, or they had to do all sorts of things, right, to move forward. Otherwise, they would have been stuck. And I think that's, that's really, really important. So listeners, 
whatever's happening for you today. Easy for Jim and I to say, but the, whatever's happening for you today, move forward. Whatever it is, go and do something. Here's another thing I want to say to people as well, Jim, relate to what you're saying. They are stuck behind their desks all day working. Now they need to get up and move and do some activity at least, right? So you and I are doing this recording. Then after this, I'm out for my hour walk up into the hills doing what I need to do. Why? Because I need that and it's going to help me. But what's really funny is that sometimes I need to stop and grab my phone and record something because, oh, this great idea just popped into my head or an idea popped into it. So it's, it's important stuff. Hey, Jim, you've had, what I really like to know is how did you actually get into leadership yourself? Before I answer that, I have to come back to you. I, I have a rule. Sounds like you may be close to it too. I'm, I have to be connected to the natural system. Hmm. Every day I must touch soil, grass, and bark, even if it's just a few minutes. I'm not, I'm not the guy that goes out and hugs a tree, but I can touch it. It, it allows me to, to understand if I've not been outside, I've got to get out. And I think I can pivot from there because, you know, that's not something I learned as an adult. It's something I learned growing up. Mm. And, you know, to me, leadership is about influencing. And since I can remember, I've always been expected to influence those around me, whether it was to not be the bratty baby brother that I always was, you know, <laughs> that I still am to this day, if you ask my three older siblings. But I, I don't remember a time when my parents, and then my Sunday school teachers and then my teachers didn't expect me to influence those around me for good. And so I got into leadership by being born into people who understood they had to do something with me to leverage my ability to influence. And then, of course, I did the traditional, you know, I was, I mean, I was class president all four years. I was student body president of my university. You know, I, anytime I can, I always raise my hand for leadership moments. But when you ask me, how did I get into it? I, I have, it's always been expected of me to influence positively those around me. And I like what you just said there about raising your hand and putting your hand up, because I think sometimes people put their hand down. They don't want to know, or they don't want to do it because possibly change again, a little bit scared, unsure about things. But I think sometimes we just need to put our hand up and go for it as well. When you're talking about the nature side of things, when I'm doing coaching and I've got several sessions, possibly in a day. Between the sessions, I will go and go out to our backyard, maybe quickly take off my shoes and go and actually put my feet in the grass and so forth, just to help reground me and things like that at times. Or if I'm in the office in the city or anywhere else, I'll go out for a walk, possibly around the waterfront, things like that, just to help me do that. And I think that's what I'm trying to say before about people from their desk, just getting out from doing things and being around. And as you say, nature is probably one of the best things that we can be around. Stop looking at your phone. Stop, just look around you. It's amazing what you might actually see, uh, which is going to be important. But leadership is influence, you're right. And it is about to you influ influencing a lot of other people. Jim, the next question I've got here, now this person could be alive or from history, and you may have several, but I'm going to sort of just sort of ask you to sort of aim for one or two if you want to, up to you. But who's your favorite leader and why? Dennis, you may, you may get frustrated with me on this because, you know, I think the safest thing would be for me to focus on my maternal granddad, my mom and dad, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King. But I'm at a stage now in my life where I think, and, and a lot that I've been, you know, as a behavioralist, I love the leader that I don't know about today. And, you know, like I, I, so if I'm thinking about this, right, like 
just some stories that I, I talk a lot about is the teen Darnella Frazier, who is a leader I so admire because she was the 17-year-old woman who in Minneapolis one day saw a police officer inappropriately kneeling on the back of George Floyd, and she hit record with her phone. That's leadership to me, Dennis. And so I admire Darnella Frazier. Or, you know, this is going to sound really goofy, but in the United States, there's a, you know, there's the Miss USA pageant, like it's a beauty pageant. And Emily Sioma was Miss Michigan, and she introduced herself. You know, there, there's a time when everyone gets on stage is like, hi, I'm my home state. I'm Mr. Missouri from the great state of Missouri. Show me more. She got up there during the time when Flint, Michigan was having a water crisis, and she introduced herself as Miss Michigan, being from the state that has 84% of fresh water in America, but none for its resident. She used her platform and put herself at risk to lead. You know, and then even like now, I'm sitting here thinking about when I learned you were from New Zealand, you know, and this will be tied together, you know, you're, you're prime minister who's come up and, and led remarkably in New Zealand during COVID and during other times of, of, of crises, right? Who's saying, I'm burnt out. The, the awareness that she has. And in particular, as a U.S. citizen, there's been a lot going back between New Zealand and us in gun rights. But then I think about headlines today are around a young man named Brandon Say, who was at a ballroom in Monterey Park, California, who heard a door shut behind him and heard clicking, turn around and saw a gunman who just had previously gunned down 10 people go into this ballroom. Brandon Say is a leader who I love because he was there to dance, but instead he fought the gun away from that person. So like these leaders, my favorite leader is the one who I haven't heard about today, but I will tomorrow because they took action and they did something. And I hate that. That for me is again, where I hope I'm not frustrated here, but I have to go a little bit deeper because that's the type of action that I'm trying to initiate in the world today. Yeah, I, th- I love that because I think there is people out there who are leaders who are not the big names, the big recognized people, but they are leaders today. And the one I would think about as well is you think about the mums and dads that are in behind the kids that go on to become, you know, represent the US or New Zealand at the Olympics and things like that. That mum and dad behind, they, they, they do so much and they, they are heroes, but they don't always get the recognition. And I don't know about you, but Jim, what I do is that when I see friends of ours who, and my wife does the same too, is that when we see friends of ours, their kids are graduated and things like that, we go, congratulations to that for them for graduating. But mum and dad, congratulations for what you've done and well done right. because, and then, because they don't always get the recognition. And I think you say, right, what you're saying, you know, it's, the, I love the leader that I don't know yet. Don't know them today, but tomorrow I will. Right. And I think that's, that's perfect. Now, if you were to have a coffee, let's say we talk about the person you just talked about who wrestled the gun of, of, of the, of the person or the young lady that took the, the, the video. If you were to sit down with one of them, you choose, or it might be someone else you might want to choose. If you were on a park bench having a cup of coffee, what would be one question you want to ask that? The first one that comes to mind is, what what voice did you finally listen to that? Nice. And and interestingly enough, Dennis, I think it goes back to you know the question you were asked me earlier about you know for those, do you have to be ready or not? And I I would honestly you know even even any any leader, what what voice did you finally listen to? Because it was game-changing for the world. That is massive. That is, that is huge. Now, if you think about the story that I told you before about my voice journey, right? 
for you for me to hear that coming from you about what voice did you finally listen to that is so true because for every single person it doesn't matter who you are you have this voice in between your ears that's talking to you all the time and the thing here is which one did you listen to or which piece did you listen to and sometimes for some of us we get told to turn that little voice off for a little while because sometimes it's too, there's too much going on, too busy and so forth. And But I think it's fantastic. What voice did you finally listen to and how did you act? Because it could be the game changer. It could be something that you, that you did. And yesterday, Jim, I spent some time just working through things. It's just been going on for me for a little while. But some things clicked for me yesterday, which I think is a brand new, well, it's not brand new. It's been in front of me the whole time, product or service that I'm going to offer. And, and it's exciting. But the thing is, it finally sort of like clicked into some place, some things for me yesterday. And I was like, wow. So listeners, if there are things going on, listen to the voice that's in your head. But then I think the important thing is what Jim's just shared is that you act on it and you go and do something because it could be game changing for you, people around you and the world, which is exciting. Hmm. Jim, hey, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that statement, that title, what does that mean to Jim? One of the things I love, and as, as someone who does Leadership is Changing, I'm assuming you're familiar with MarTech's law. It's something someone introduced to me about technology is changing so rapidly that people can adjust faster than business and business can adjust faster than government and regulations. And so the space in which I'm dealing, environmental, social, and governance, many of my other ESG wonky people were always like, we need policy, we need laws. It's not going to happen in time. And if we keep waiting, you know, just as the UN General Secretary has said, we're on a joint suicide mission. And so for me, leadership and change and leadership is changing means we can't wait for others to say it's time to act. So we have to be doing those actions. And I have even seen myself take a different route, right? And, and we can explore this a little bit further, but you know, like there was a time when I was asked to take on the environmental health and safety team. And the little voice in me was, hey, you're a fat American. You know, it's a global thing. How can you be in charge of health, fatty? That's the voice I heard. And I listened to it and I shed 90 pounds because if I was going to lead authentically and lead mm. empirically, I need to be healthy. And I am, and I have been for the last seven years. But that's the type of thing about change where hypocrisy is is no longer an option. If you're going to lead, you must do what you say, you must do. And I think the thing here though is probably all of that was about you actually having to lose some weight because you probably needed to, right? And and we and we all do. And the thing here is though, it's the it's walking the talk. It's not just saying one thing and doing so we actually had this going along with what you just said. We actually had every year in a, in the IT company EDS, we had come in from one of the healthcare organisations just to sort of spend some time with people, checking their blood pressures, checking things, and then talk to them about maybe you need to look at some things and some health and things like that. But the person that came to do it was very well, very overweight, and I'm like, the picture here isn't isn't right. However. On the other side, I'm not saying that you have to be really skinny to be able to, to do things. I'm not saying that at all. It was just the picture that people, and people came out going, huh, what's not right here? 
But the thing is, we don't always know what's going on for that other person, right? And so, so that's the thing we've got to take into consideration. But I think what you're saying here is, and it's actually going to take me into the next converse, the next question with you, because technology is getting faster, business is getting faster, there's more data and more far things happening there. From a social perspective, things are getting faster. And I like what you said about technology, people, business, government, and that we can sometimes, you know, we can't always influence it or some things aren't changing fast enough. And that's why I know people are getting frustrated with a lot of governments around the world in relation to things aren't changing quick enough. And I get, and I get that. But at the end of the day, whatever things happen, you and I are still going to wake up the next morning. You and I still need to go off and do things. We still need to go and do business. So the question I've got here for you is that with this fast-paced, ever-changing world, and as you said, it's getting faster all the time with the technology and other things, what makes a leader successful in that kind of world? I may, I may cheat and go back to my answer about the ABCs of leadership, right? Always be changing. I, I think, Dennis, what, where I have seen leaders fail is when they think that they can be the subject matter expert. The reason I'm successful is because I have accepted I cannot know everything. However, I can allow others to know and highlight what they know to move us forward. I think that's going to be a critical piece. So many people I work with are, you know, doing that whole, what is it, the 90% rule. It takes 90% of your time to get the last 10% of something completed. 90% is good enough. I'm going to say 70% is. And so it starts to free up capacity. And, you know, a, a big saying now is have clarity over certainty. And the clarity is we need to head north. So north is anything from 180 degrees flat line on the equator up, right? So this is where we're going. Let's go. <laughs> now, <laughs> you want a map? You want specific directions because that makes you more comfortable? I cannot provide that. Yeah. Because I'm uncertain of where our final destination Mm. I just know we need to go up north. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's a very cheesy example, but that's the easiest way for me to describe that is what leaders have to have in today's fast-changing world. Yeah, and I'm going to be a bit cheeky here, Jim. I think uh, what you're sharing there is that when you say f with the equator isn't going north, in other words, we're going to head north, we're going to go towards a positive, we're going to go towards moving forward because everything that's really important in life is below the equator like New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, I'm, I'm, I'm headed east or west just to get to New Zealand. Let's be yep. honest. There you go. True. That's all That's good. That's very, very That's true. true. Yeah. Hey, you and I have been talking about leadership and through that lens. If we were to change lens now and talk about employees' perspective, what do you think is, or how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I think when I look at what's going on in the world around us and the technology Many, I, I've heard the phrase, the tech aid, you know, this is the tech aid of our lives where technology is taking off. What I'm seeing is what I, you know, I've also heard called the rise of the individual. Employees are no longer sitting back and waiting for things to happen. They're no longer waiting for leadership to anoint. And I think the new expectation is we're hearing words like empathy, like trust, balance, well-being. This whole work hard, play hard, the 1950s crap, or again, I'll go back to you know the BS, the built systems that have worked for us now are no longer working. So good luck with that. I know I'm looking for organizations that are walking their walk and are, are worried about me. So I think the new employee expectation is, yeah, you say you care about me, 
but you just give me a survey once a year. I don't buy that. So one thing I try to talk to organizations and leaders about is moving away from employee engagement to employee activation, making sure employees understand we're bringing them in because we want to activate what's potential in them, not just come do what we tell you. And that means leaders have to be humble enough to understand they don't understand everything. We also have to be trusting enough that our workers are getting the job done in the hybrid remote space. It's, it's not enough to sit there. These organizations that are counting clicks are horrified to me. It's just, that is, that are, is a group of leaders still hanging on to what was and not embracing the potential of what can be in the future. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. I love what you just said there about going from employee engagement to employee activation. I like that. I think that's, that has so many good positive things in that and, and, and saying that as well. And the rise of the individual, very good. And, you know, when you said about the surveys, you're so right. I mean, people do the surveys and I go, so what? What are you going to do with it? Because time and time again, whether it be every quarter, every year, they do the surveys, there's a tick in the box. And then they, they may get together and they talk about it, but then they do nothing about it or they don't change the behaviors. They don't change the walk, you know, when they're, they're doing things. And so a lot of leadership programs I do and things like that, people say to me, oh, this is a great program, but is our leadership going to go through this? Because they need it. And it's people saying to me that our leadership is not actually walking the talk. They're not the examples. And, and so they're trying to tell us that we need to change, but actually they need to change as well. Yeah. Well, you know, Dennis, I just sitting here thinking about this, right? This whole return to work, it's almost like mommy and daddy built, gave me a Barbie house. If I don't want to play with it, I just want to play with the box. They're going to beat me, Right. Like these, you know, employers are saying, come into the office. Now, as an executive, I know I am out of the office on business travel. I was pre-pandemic about two weeks per year. I'm seeing many of my fellow executives doing that. again. So in other words, again, walking the walk, people see your desk is empty. Do they actually know where you are? And are you really working somewhere else? Or are you at your beach house? You know, yeah. are you at your, are you at Davos? attending a steam concert if you're at IBM right before you lay off 10,000 employees. You know, I mean, it's just, these are the disconnect that people are seeing and saying, no, you don't get to do that anymore. And so expectations, authenticity, it, it just, you know, it, th this is what employees are demanding and will continue to demand because we're just at that point in time where the rise of the individual is stronger than business and or regulation. Yeah, that's good. I had a guy that I actually coached several years ago and he was doing nearly 80 hour weeks. He was just crazy. But the thing is he felt guilty on a Thursday afternoon at four o'clock in the afternoon to leave the office to go watch his two kids do swimming lessons. And he's doing 80 hour weeks. And I'm like, why? He goes, because what will people say in the office that I'm leaving earlier? And I'm like, really? Because he didn't actually understand his boundaries. And I think it's about you as an individual starting to understand your boundaries, but also the employees. And, and other things too, is we all understand the boundaries. But you know what? We're not saying work from home and sit around and do nothing. We're not saying that at all. We're saying you've got to still deliver. You still have to do the results, right? I mean, it's- Absolutely. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. And again, I, I get to go back, you know, so I'm, I'm predominantly 100% remote. And let's say I'm 95% remote. I cannot wait to go into the office next week. I am mm. so excited to see people and to, you know, just be in the- so I, yeah. I'm one of those that if I could, I'd be in there daily. 
I mm. really would. I enjoy it. It just so happens that my, my organization in the U.S. is more remote than not. And so, you know, that, that's how I'm operating. But so and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there is a place and time for every. And so we don't have to go, you know, COVID has showed us this works, remote works. And so why would we ever go back 100% to the way it was? Hmm. Isn't it been interesting too that a lot of companies have said, oh, we can't work from home. And, and we used to say, how come? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't working from home. We couldn't be sure. We couldn't send things off to another country. Why? Oh, it's, it's sensitive stuff. Oh, we wouldn't be able to work home, work from home. Why? Oh, productivity would be down and things like that. Well, COVID just showed everything was wrong. But, but remember, remember the days, and I don't know whether it was the BBC or CNN, that guy was being interviewed and the kids come flying in the background and he's trying to push them away. Well, when COVID happened, that all went out the window, didn't it? I mean, it was, who cared? We, it was, we it all fine. have it. And we still do. And, and Dennis, let's be honest. We struggled getting my microphone working, even to set up here. But now, listen, we're both recorded and we are just fine. We, we yeah. keep moving forward and we get the work done. Nice. Nice. Good work. Now, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out here and think about the future, Jim, where do you see leadership being in five years? I, I think in five years, Dennis, we're going to see leadership as grassroots. We're going to see the criticality and redefinition of leadership as that individual, getting things done in harmony with the team and or the system based on what the system needs. So I know that sounds kind of like OD wonky, but what I mean by that is we, you know, I really want us to step into the BS, the built systems we've created. COVID has shown us that all the built systems that humans have created to make sense out of the chaos around us are broken, or what I like to say, they're actually working the way they were intended to work. They're disproportionately helping the Western, Western wealth developed countries. They're predominantly helping white men, you know, like all those things are happening. You know, health is disproportionate. You know, so it's, it's, it's working the way it was designed, but that's no longer effective. And so I think leadership is going to be thinking about more holistic solutions. As governments are looking inward, business is going to have to start looking outward because society is saying, hey, business, hold them to account. We know where the money's flowing. What are you doing? Even down to, you know, one of the things I'm really adamant about is why does your business exist? If it's still profit, you won't, I won't, I won't be taught. You as a leader won't be listening to this podcast in five years. If you're thinking, how am I changing systems to help more than what I need to be doing? Then you'll be a leader in five years and we'll still be having new conversations about how we're evolving and ever changing to meet the demands of that time. Yep, absolutely. And even in five years' time, we're still going to be changing, right? Because going back to what you said right at the beginning, change is always there and we're going to keep doing it as well. Always be changing. Yep, absolutely. Hey, Jim, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the on today's episode. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? So I use LinkedIn predominantly, but I also have my own website, www.jimmassey.co. And you can find me in both locations. Excellent. We'll put those into the show notes. But once again, been a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for joining me. It's really been really great. There you go, listeners. Well, there you go. A lot to take in for this episode. There's been some really good things here as well. But if you can inspire people, empower them to accept change and, and, and be accepting of change and moving forward, but also using their platform to be able to lead and have their voice heard. Because you see, what voice did you finally listen to? Well, listeners, it's been a real pleasure being with you. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 